It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everyone. It's a beautiful Friday. The sun's not out just yet, but it's coming out. And I got the sunglasses ready because uh, I'm ready for a bright day. But speaking of bright days, man, we got a good show today. I'm Ron Johnson. That's Luke Inman. That's Reggie Wilson. That's Sam Ekstrom. And fellas, this is Locked On Sports Minnesota. This is the Friday Roundtable. And you know, like we always do for the everydayers that understand, we got to get locked in on this show, man. And so what you got, Luke? Yeah, Ron, will the Vikings regret letting Dalvin Cook walk next year? And how disappointing would it be if they can't get a deal done with Daniil Hunter? We'll break it all down coming up next. Yeah, the Twins last night coming back from the dead, winning in a walk-off. But at what cost? Three guys injured last night. Yikes. And uh, speaking of yikes, will Miami win a game in this NBA final series? We'll talk about it. And let me look at the camera in the eye. I want you to see my eyes when I say this because I'm for real. In about two or three seasons, maybe four, if Kirk Cousins surpasses a certain threshold, because we're going to talk about this threshold, is he a Hall of Famer? Is Kirk Cousins considered a Hall of Famer? We'll talk about that next on Locked On Sports Minnesota. And I want everybody to know this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Just make every moment more by visiting FanDuel.com backslash Locked On to get started today. And trust me, just like I bet on Denver the first game, bet on Denver again the first game. That's the key, people. I, I told everybody, bet on Denver the first game. They have been hot the first game. We're going to talk about the rest of this later on the show, though. But, hey, let's jump out there, fellas. Luke, I like your topic, man. What you What you got? The hot topic right now, Ron, is obviously Dalvin Cook. June 1st has come and gone. Will they regret moving on from Dalvin Cook? And with some contract negotiations still going on with Daniil Hunter, what would this defense look like without him on that defensive side of the ball? I think as special as Dalvin Cook is, it's just so proven, guys, in today's passing league with all the rules favoring the passing game specifically that running backs do not help you win games like they used to. You guys all know all the Super Bowl stats we busted out on this show, teams using that running back by committee because it works. It allows you to spend money on more valuable positions. That's just the way of the league now. And with Quasi, we all know he trusts the analytics. I think he's committed to clearing that money and getting with the time, so to speak. And some people forget, as fun as Dalvin Cook was last year with some splash plays, the home run hitter, he was extremely inefficient running the ball in a lot of different metrics last season too. But even if he has a great season next year on a different team, I think they've done a good enough job bringing in a group of guys who can still be efficient enough to help them win games and use that extra, you know, 10, 15 million on some more impactful positions on the roster, retain some core pieces like JJ, Hawkinson, Darisaw when that time comes. Daniil Hunter, though, if they can't get a deal done, I think that's a completely different story. Premium edge rushers from a value standpoint. It's like the polar opposite from a running back. There may not be a more valuable position outside a quarterback than an elite edge rusher the way they impact the game right now. So this defense is already going to be a work in progress, in my opinion. I don't even want to imagine what they'd look like without them, and I don't think they want that either. Yeah, you know, Dalvin Cook could definitely go elsewhere and have success. I mean, he, he's two years removed from a 2020 season where – he rushed for 1,500-plus yards in only 14 games, five yards a carry. Since then, he has been in decline. But again, guys, he's he's turning 28 here in August. He is not, I don't think, over the hill yet. I think he could still have 
a good year or two left in him if he gets the amount of reps. Now, I'm not convinced that he's going to go somewhere and be the guy. I think he might be part of a rotation because a lot of the teams already have their running backs kind of in-house and already kind of established in those offenses. Um, But he could definitely go elsewhere and have success. The question is, what are the Vikings going to do with the cap space that they get in a potential trade? Um, Or what do they do with the picks they get in a potential trade? If they can use that cap space to do something that impacts the team this year, like signing Daniil Hunter to an extension, then I think it's more palatable. Um, If they sit on the cap space, if they just kind of roll it over to next year and they don't really get anything from it, then you're going to look back and say, wow, Dalvin Cook rushed for 1,300 yards with the Miami Dolphins for nine touchdowns. Uh, We could have used that. We could use that explosiveness. And I'm I'm on the same bandwagon as Luke. I don't think running backs are as impactful these days. I think that the, like financially, it makes sense to move on from Dalvin. And I think he has been in decline. But if they don't do anything with it, if you get nothing from it for 2023, then you look back at it with a little regret. And as far as Daniil goes, I mean, that's that's priority number one for me right now. To me, that's that's like right up there with getting that Jefferson extension done. You need Daniil in that defensive line rotation. Reggie. Okay, I may be in the minority here, but <laughs> I don't understand how an offense gets better getting rid of a, a top five back in the league. And I, I understand he is approaching that that magic number, that 30 number. Um, but I just don't understand how so many people are just ready to move on from Dalvin. I know that the the numbers haven't looked like maybe the numbers in the past, but I would kind of argue there's a little bit to to say about that. Uh, the the Vikings were 25th in in run blocking last year, and they were 31st in stuff rate because we saw Dalvin getting the ball and getting just absolutely you know, hit Cut. like as soon as he got, yeah, as soon as he got the ball. And so I think all of the 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 numbers last year were not exactly on him. And we saw that when he does get some space, when he does get a crease, like he could still break one for 80 yards. We saw it a couple times last year. And so I, I understand the money thing, though, because now we have just all of a sudden it seems like the the thing just kind of goes like this in the NFL. It's like, oh, one year we're, we're ready to pay running backs 15, 16 million dollars a year. They're so valuable to the football team. And then other years they are like, uh, we can give them like five, six mil. They, we don't need to give them all that. And I feel like it's kind of gone back to that mindset where they they get Alexander Madison back and they're like yeah that's what we want to pay for a running back we don't want to pay all this money for a running back but I just I still think that Dalvin has some good years in front of him and I think that he could have some good years in front of him in Minnesota but now you're playing this numbers game and it just doesn't seem like it could work out yeah for me it's simple Dalvin Cook, I think you can move on from. Uh, I think the trade value has to be there, though. I think that's going to be the key to this. It's the trade value. You can't just trade him and like a, like that one scenario, it's like a fifth-round pick. I don't think that's a good value because it's all about once you trade him, what do you get for it? You're never going to replace Dalvin Cook with a late-round pick that's going to replace Dalvin Cook. For Daniel Hunter, like Luke said, I think edge rushers are premium. I think you will regret that. 
because I don't think there is a guy you're going to draft that's going to give you over 12 and a half sacks a season. Like, I just don't think I, I watched Cam Jordan just get into an argument on Twitter about this, about how people were calling him mid all of a sudden because he's older and he showed his stats. And it's like you can't replace and find these guys like you like it's like it's just that simple. Uh, running back, unfortunately, the Super Bowl showed us. You don't need top-tier running backs to win a Super Bowl, but you do need a defense, and the defense matters more than an offense, unfortunately, when it comes to championships. Um, and, and that's where that's the only way I go with that. I think Dalvin Cook, you can move on. I think Daniil, the only way possible that you come back from trading Daniil or letting him go is if somehow you draft the next coming like Julius Peppers slash Lawrence Taylor or something like it just it's just not gonna be worth it in my opinion to move on from Daniel versus Dalvin Cook I get the running back argument because it, it is simple to move on especially in a, pa a true passing offense that runs the ball when necessary um, I, I just feel like Alexander Massey can get it done but Daniel Hunter you, you can't come back from that and, and that's that's the hard thing it's hard to find guys to get up to the quarterback I mean look at this team when Dalvin was hurt versus when Daniel is hurt it's a it's a different team. Like they they like they can't get after the quarterback when Daniel was hurt. When Dalvin's hurt, Alexander Madison has given us hundred yard games against Seattle. Like it's been proven that it works. And so I think and in Kevin O'Connell, even though he wasn't the coach back then, he can go back and look at those metrics. That's what I'm pretty sure Quasi and him both looked at. Like man, Alexander Madison when Dalvin cooks out, he killed it. So he can be RB one. And so I think that's where these talks and conversations are coming from. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's simple as that. Like it's 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 just one of those things to me. Here, here's one quick one. I, I will ask you guys though between the two, if you had to choose uh, between Daniil Hunter and getting a first round pick for him, you're going to get a first round pick for Daniil Hunter if you trade mm -hmm. him. But Dalvin Cook, you're going to get a third round pick for Dalvin Cook. First round for Daniil or third round for Dalvin. Which one are you mm. taking, Luke, quickly? Man. Oh, okay, is it a top 10 first-round pick, Ron, or are we picking in the <laughs> it's late just, 20s? You're just trading it, with the team, so you it, don't know. It's a, you, You're gambling. Well, it, it sounds dumb, but it does make a huge difference. Give me the I know, third but you don't know Dalvin. what team. I mean, it, me let's just say it's the, it's the it's say it's the, uh, let's say it's the, 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 the Browns because the oh. Browns, we don't know what they're going to be. Right. No, Deshaun give me the Watson's third for Dalvin. Let me play okay. it safe. Again, what, between losing Zadarius, Pat P, Kendrick, Del I need some talent on defense. Give me Hunter, still in his prime, I think. Dalvin, give me that third-round pick. I feel comfortable with this running back group the way it is. Sam? I'd be pretty excited to get a third for Dalvin. I would take that. I just think he's got fewer years uh, of excellent football left. I think, Daniil Hunter, you can build this new defense around, so I'd want to keep him, even if you don't get that number one pick. Reggie? Is this Friday or dunk on Dalvin Day? Goodness <laughs> gracious. My goodness. But with that being said, I, I think I take the third for that. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. For me, and this is the tough thing. I'm a gambler. FanDuel has, 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 has realized like it's a $10 bet. It's nothing. I'm going to go with that first round pick. I just am. I, I, I'm, I'm going to take a chance on a first round defensive end because defensive ends right now in the first round outside linebackers, it's not a ton of them going high. And so if I can get a guy in the late first round, you know, even in the 20s, I'm going to take a chance on it and just knowing that, that Daniil probably wants to go and then I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a try to just keep my running back if I had to pick. But it, that's only because it's a first, because you could turn that first and maybe it's not an edge rusher. Maybe it's your quarterback of the future. You know, who knows? And that's that's the only way I'm looking at it too is you can maybe get another piece. It's not just replacing 
Daniil, it's maybe getting the first. Maybe it's getting the first and then you use that and trade for somebody else you want. I don't know. Yeah, I just like first tempting. round picks. That it first is tempting. Because if you get if you already have your first and now you're gonna get another first, now you have two. Maybe mm-hmm. now you can move up into the top five right. pick if there's a if there's a you know Julius Peppers coming out, you know. Who knows? Like it, it, that's a tough one, though, and that's why Quasey gets paid millions of dollars and Kevin O'Connell as well, because these are the tough decisions you have to make as an organization because they can make or break you. We know teams have traded guys away, and everybody's looked back like you guys are idiots. Uh, I'd say the only way a trade for me always works is the the, the Justin Jefferson and, and Stefan Diggs trade in history mm-hmm. will go down as the most even trade in NFL history because it worked out for both teams. So we got to move on to the next topic, though, fellas. Um, you know what? Let, let's 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 do a little basketball. Uh, well, no, you know what? I'm gonna just let I'm gonna let Reggie go. Uh, Reggie, throw yours out there. What you got, Reggie? So this was this was interesting. So many people talked about how you know the Nuggets had the long layoff. Maybe you can catch some rust, mm-hmm. and you know the Heat have been good at bullying teams this postseason, winning that first game, and really just kind of taking the advantage in the series and yeah they went out last night and and got beat up and it kind of reminded me of the Timberwolves series if you can remember the Timberwolves were playing those playing games they lost to the Lakers they beat the Thunder and the whole time the Nuggets they're just at the crib they're waiting you know they're taking in that that high altitude and and just you know visiting the mountains and you know, Jokic is playing with his horses and, you know, all that good stuff. And finally, they go ahead and play. And it was just like, whoa, they they came out and just whooped them. I think what's crazy about what the Nuggets are doing is they are like the closest. I've seen comparison to the Spurs, but like to me, it kind of feels like the Warriors. They got Murray hitting shots and then you got Michael Porter Jr. hitting shots and then nobody can do anything with Jokic. And I guess that's where the Spurs comparison comes in. But, like, Jokic is much more advanced of a player. And I know what I'm saying here. But he's much more advanced of a player than Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan was not the distributor that Jokic is. Tim Duncan is not the fadeaway three rainbow in your eye hole type of a shot. And so I think what's crazy is you would think because they have Jimmy Butler – that maybe they'll get a game, but this Nuggets team is rolling, and I just don't see how they lose this NBA Finals unless all of a sudden they just forget how to shoot. But what I think is interesting that they've been doing this whole postseason is giving teams a false sense of hope. You know, the the Wolves won that one game in the series, and you're like, oh, maybe they have a chance. But we saw it last night where we've seen so many times before what frustrated me in the last series with my Lakers They get close. You get eight, nine points, seven points, maybe six points. And then all of a sudden, Jokic is like, no, 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 that's okay. Let let us stop playing. Let's let's make some shots. And then all of a sudden, they're up 13, 14 again in like a blink. And I posed this question on Twitter, and I'd be interested to hear what you guys think. And maybe it's, it's too late now because of this trade that probably goes down as one of the worst in NBA history, trading for Rudy Gobert. I know Cat is not the type of player that Jokic is, okay? So let's get that out of the way. But is there a certain, like, universe that the Wolves channel what Denver is doing and they play that two-man pick-and-roll game with Ant 
and Cat like Murray and Jokic. Be interested to hear what you guys think. I don't know enough about the X's and O's to know if the Wolves can pull that off. I do know Cat and Ant have the talent to be able to do something similar. I want to stem off what you mentioned, like everybody was saying going into this game, that is that too much rest? What was it, 10 days in a row like that? Mm-hmm. Teams with five or more days of rest were eight and one in game ones going into last night. And then you get them playing at home as well. Nuggets came out with great energy. You spoke so highly of Joker. I mean, you can't say enough about that guy. The way he impacted the first quarter alone without even taking a shot, by the way, the first six, seven minutes, so lethal, so dirty. Nuggets had 20 points in the paint. In that first quarter alone, Joker had six assists. Obviously, he's one of the best scorers in the game. If you watch the game, the way he identifies the mismatch before he even touches the ball and is able to distribute to the open guy puts so much extra stress on the defense. It's just so exhausting for opposing defenders for four straight quarters. He's just relentless in every facet of the game. But I'm saying don't count out the heat just yet. I mean, the Nuggets (laughs) were supposed to win that game, and they did. But the Heat are still locked in coming out of that Boston series, unscathed. They're still healthy. I think they're going to be able to look back on that game one last night, gain a little bit of confidence, being able to come back from 21 like they did, work their way back into it with that zone defense that you could tell a little bit bothered the Nuggets in the fourth quarter. And just between everything we've seen from playoff Jimmy thus far, the scoring, rebounding, protecting the ball, I don't think the Heat are going down without a fight. You know, You're I wrong, think this, Luke. This, this, You're wrong. I think this is still going to go six games, if not seven, Reggie. If You're not wrong, seven. Playoff Jimmy. Don't cut him out yet. Did you guys say him? Yeah, there's been a lot of stress and pressure on Jimmy to be Himmy Butler um, <laughs> in order to get the, the Heat over the hump here. And when, when Butler is playing like an ordinary human, yep. it's hard for the Heat to, to win. You know, like he, they got to have extraordinary performances from him every night because this is the the bit with all the undrafted free agents that all these broadcasters have raved about with the Heat. They're amazing stories, but they're going to have off nights. Max Struess is going to go 0 for 10 sometimes. Um, Caleb Martin is going to come back to earth. He's been floating in the stratosphere in that Celtics series. He was going to come back to earth, and he did. They got nothing from two-fifths of their starting lineup last night. And when Butler is being ordinary, well, then they've really got no chance. I mean, they're going to need to – I think we need more K-Love, honestly. We need more K-Love in our lives. Kevin Love is going to bring them back in the series. No, probably not. Uh, Spolster knows better than that. <laughs> but to answer Reggie's question quickly, the uh, the Timberwolves just need more shooting to, to be kind of the Nuggets light. I mean, they need – they don't have – a Michael Porter Jr. or a KCP. Um, a lot of their three-point shooters are of the streaky variety. I'm not sure that they have also the the passing ability from their big men like Cat to kind of facilitate that. So I think mm. they've got some some roster building to do to be the Nuggets, who, by the way, they're set for the next two years, guys. I mean, all their core, they're all locked up under contract. Murray is probably going to get an extension. Those guys are going to be a problem for at least two more years. Yeah, for me, I, I, I agree with that. I think there's no way the Timberwolves uh, can be the Nuggets. And I don't know if you want to be. Like, it, it, everybody has to have a certain thing. Jokic is something that nobody has. Cat can't be Jokic. Like, he doesn't have the the, the vision. He doesn't have the uh, patience. 
Uh, he doesn't have the and and I don't know like I know I saw the one play I forgot who it was against but Jokic like kind of drove and then dipped the shoulder but he stayed balanced to stand straight back up and lay it up as the dude flew out of bounds. I just feel like if that's Cat, he's gonna fall over the top of the guy, throw the ball into the crowd, get a charge, whine to the refs. Like he just doesn't have that. Like he needs to find out his game whether it's facilitating for the free throw. Like Jokic took one shot I think in the first quarter. He passed the ball every time because he's like, look, y'all want to pack the box i have a way to beat y'all and um i i bought this question up before and, and i i truly believe that the timberwolves should have built the team around jimmy butler and got rid of wiggins i i think and then you wouldn't you wouldn't have Ant. and that's a question we'll have to talk about maybe later or maybe if we have time we'll, we'll discuss it but i just think the team wouldn't have been built around ant it would have been built around butler levine and uh cat i just don't think with 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 butler and cat they would have had the ability to have that high first round pick um, you know, barring injury or whatever would have happened. But I, I don't think Rudy Gobert was the answer for that team to add it. I just don't see those two working together with Cat and Rudy Gobert. Like, I, I just don't feel it. Uh, as far as offenses go, the Nuggets have a bunch of pieces and guys that are willing to play together, and they know it goes. Like, Jamal Murray's not trying to be the guy. Uh, he's not trying to be the man. He knows Joke is Jokic's team. And so he's like, look, I'm going to play where I play. I know this guy wants to get me the ball, but we're going to pass him when he's open. He's going to pass us when we're, when we're open. It's the best team I think we've seen in a long time as far as just team basketball. Like if they win this, they're not going to go down in history as like Michael Jordan or, you know, Steph Curry. Like they are a team other than Joker. It's a bunch of team first guys, and I think that's where the Timberwolves are going to lack is because Carl Anthony Towns wants to be known as the biggest. Like Jokic has never come out saying I'm the biggest, best, you know, biggest, best, biggest, or best big man shooter. Like he's not doing that, and that's where I think Carl Anthony Towns kind of goes wrong sometimes. Uh, but we got to move on before we do. We have a word from our sponsors. Thanks, Ron. We're brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Get on that fast break to FanDuel here during the NBA Finals and the Stanley Cup Finals as well. Why use FanDuel? Because they are an easy-to-use app. You get paid instantly when you win, and they've got great promotions like the No Sweat First Bet. Did you hear? The limit's gone up from $1,000 to $2,500 in a No Sweat First Bet. Back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. So, you miss out on the first bet, you get the bonus bets back, you try again up to $2,500. So there's no better place to bet the playoff action than at America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Check out that no sweat first bet for new users up to $2,500 back in bonus bets. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Well, now it's time to move on. Sam, what you got? Hey, the Twins with a dramatic win last night. Coming back from 6-3 down, we might have to go to Luke Inman for the report. I know he was in attendance at that game, but a walk-off sack fly in the ninth following a game-tying home run by Royce Lewis in the eighth. What's not to like? Oh, Carlos Correa left the game with plantar fascia. Byron Buxton left the game with sore ribs. Max Kepler left the game with a migraine. Our pets' heads are falling off. The Twins, <laughs> despite the win, can't stay healthy once again. And yeah, Kepler might be okay with the headache, but Correa and Buxton, I mean, Correa's been struggling enough as it is. I think he might be facing a DL stint with Buxton being so fragile. If he's got a cracked rib or something, he might be headed to the, the IL. 
So again, this team, it's one step forward, and it always seems like another step back. Luke, you were at the game. What do you think? Great comeback win last night. To your point, obviously, they're in first place right now, but worst division, so that's not saying much. It's not so much the hitting, as we know. It's the pitching that's been carrying this team. They've been absolutely dominant. Second best ERA in the league. Sonny Gray looks like almost a legit Cy Young candidate right now. Joe Ryan, 7-2. and two. All of a sudden, Louis Varlin's heating up as your number five. This is the deepest rotation the Twins have had in maybe a decade plus, honestly. And as far as the hitting goes, I know they've been putrid, 232 as a team, 15th in run scored. And I know one guy won't make the world a difference. It's a team effort. I get it. But what we've seen from Royce Lewis thus far coming back from that injury, another two-run bomb last night in the eighth to tie it back up. He's helped add some much-needed juice in the lineup, gives them just a fresh spark they desperately needed. So comeback last night was huge. I know it's only one game, but they all count the same. There's no reason playing at home this weekend they can take advantage of a struggling Cleveland team that has scored fewer runs than the Oakland A's, who's by far the worst team in baseball right now. If they can win three out of four this weekend, I think that would go a long way. Just adding some confidence and maybe start some new momentum with Royce hitting the way he is. And I'll tell you what, no matter what happens this weekend, this series, this starting rotation, these pitchers, if they can look as good as they have deep into the summer, this team has a shot to win every single night. If they can just find some more consistency with the bats, start to separate themselves, I think, from the rest of the division, build a little cushion before the All-Star break. We'll see what happens with Buxton and Correa. Obviously, a little wait-and-see approach. You always hold your breath with Buxton. This doesn't feel like a massive injury just from what I saw last night. With Correa, unfortunately, those foot injuries, man, they're, they're sneaky dangerous. They can linger all year, but Good news is they got a great backup at shortstop with Royce Lewis ready to step in and take his place if needed. Yeah, I think what's a little concerning for me, and I don't know if you guys agree, Pablo Lopez, three of his last four starts, he gives up six earned, four earned, five earned. What's going on? Like they signed the guy to, you know, this nice extension. They talked about how much he's just the guy. He's like the leader out there, the ace. And that sixth inning yesterday was quite atrocious. Just gave up just five earned. They were looking good up until that point. Just need to kind of, you know, steer the ship, keep them afloat. And it just all came unraveled where they're putting Emilio Pagan in, in a high leverage situation. He gets out of it, which, you know, is is a surprise to a lot of people. But now you're, you're looking at Pablo and you're like, what's going on with this guy? Why is he... Why is he struggling like this? And then also, fans have been clamoring, like, why don't you just go ahead and put Buxton out in the outfield? Well, it's funny. He hasn't touched the outfield yet, and he's still getting hurt. Just the most freak things happen to Byron Buxton to land him on the injured list, and it's it's just kind of mind-boggling sometimes. I think – and this probably is not the the best-case scenario, but I think you, you, you shut Correa down. He's not doing well right now in the lineup. He's kind of hurting more than he is helping the lineup right now, obviously. Agreed. Over three yesterday, two strikeouts, like he, he was not good and he's not been good. And as he said, they're paying him a lot of money to not suck. And he's been kind of stinking up the joint. And if his health is a legit concern with the foot injuries, shut him down. They they've got the the replacements there. You can put you know, Roy slide him over to short, 
maybe bring up Julian or something like that. Play Farmer at third. I don't know. Play Farmer at short. Mm-hmm. He, he's done it with Cincinnati. I think there's there's something to be said about guys who are hitting better than Correa is right now and more healthy than Correa is right now than to just throw the guy out there because you're paying him a lot of money and just watching him struggle at the plate time after time. It's good that they're winning in spite of these things, but you just wonder how sustainable it is with Pablo struggling, Correa struggling, and Buxton getting hurt, and he's not even playing in the outfield. Yeah, here's where I go with it. I think the Twins, the the biggest thing for me is it's a long season. Honestly, I don't get too invested in all the 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 going back and forth stuff. The injuries are huge. Like I don't understand why every year it's I, I don't feel like the Yankees, I mean personally, maybe I'm not on the inside of the New York baseball and maybe somebody from the Yankees organization or fan base can can shed some light. Maybe Brandon Warren can even help us figure this out. But I don't feel like the the Yankees face a ton of injuries like the Twins do every year. Maybe it's the guys. Maybe it is Buxton. Maybe some of these guys are getting. Uh, maybe they just do dumb stuff. I don't know. Like, but I just feel like it's always this injury conversation in games. Like, oh, so and so is hurt. Now here we go again. Like they're gonna go into a slump. I said this, and and, and I hope they prove me wrong. I thought that after this ten game stretch, after the Tigers play uh, the White Sox seven times within that 10-game stretch. The Tigers were going to be leading the division or tie for the division lead. Um, We still got time. But I I do think the Twins winning is contagious. Uh, How you win is just as important as winning, too, because if you win by flukes, uh, I mean, nothing against the Vikings, but we know those close games came down to bite them in the playoffs. Uh, But if you're winning handedly and you're convinced and and, uh, what's the word I'm, I'm looking for, like confident in your wins, you can build on that. Like hits, you can build on that. When guys are actually getting hits, whether you're coming home or not, if you're just rattling the pitcher a little bit, making the pitch long, like making that pitcher pitch more pitches, like getting after it, fouling balls off, not just strike one, strike two, ball, strike three, you're out of here, or, or ground ball, you're out on the first pitch. Getting into that count a little bit, making them pitch a little bit more uh, to wear them out. The little things in the game, uh, they can help you long-term in some of these games, but they did get a win. Uh, and I and I think for the Twins, the next step is getting another win. How do they do that? Well, they have to play the uh, Guardians again. You can catch every pitch tonight at seven ten as they face the Guardians again after the dramatic walk off win. Um, you can catch every pitch of the Twins hometown broadcast on the Sirius XM app with X at well, sorry SXM, uh, and that's the app. You just search Twins, and you'll be every pitch, every play, and maybe another walk off. Hopefully not because. Our hearts can't take another one of those where you're sitting there waiting on pins and needles till the game is over. Well, we're jumping to this last topic. And this is I'm a spicy excited one. for this one. I'm this is excited. a spicy one. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give you some context to it. Uh, here we go. I'm going to throw it out there, people. The question is, is Kirk Cousins a Hall of Famer? Is Kirk Cousins a Hall of Famer? The answer is no for a lot of people. Probably everybody. Um, but this is why I bring this up, and this is where this came from. When you look at the average Hall of Fame QB currently, and I do know it wasn't a passing league back then, but the average QB in the Hall of Fame right now is right around 40,000 yards. That's the average of all the, I think it's 26 quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame right now. Well, there's more, but then some are considered like running back quarterbacks because of the era they played in. Um, So they have them in like the halfback quarterback uh, uh, realm where maybe they were taking the snap and they just were running. So they call them a running back halfback. And that's the Hall of Fame. I I forgot how many of those there, but I know there's 26 true QBs that they consider when they're using this stat. Average 40,000 yards. Kirk Cousins 
is going to pass that this year. So I'm not saying 40,000 is a threshold because you also have a lot of other guys, Vinny Testaverde and so on and so forth, that are above that threshold that are not. But when you're talking about 50,000 yards, 50, here's the names, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, Johnny Unitas, Joe Montana, Drew Brees, John Elway, Dan Marino, uh, Fran Tarkenton, um, Steve Young. Those are the guys right now that are pushing that. And Steve Young is not one of them, but he is in that top. He's above the average line, and he's at 33,000 yards. You didn't look at uh, Fran Tarkenton, 47,000 yards. You got Dan Marino, uh, 61,000 yards. John Elway, 51,000 yards. So my question is, is Kirk Cousins a Hall of Famer if he hits 50,000 yards? And if he's not, and he does it, and a Super Bowl win. So does a Super Bowl win at 50,000 yards then throw their cousins into the uh, into the Hall of Fame? My answer is with a Super Bowl at 50,000 yards, yes. I don't care what you think of him. He's a Hall of Famer. Luke, I go to you. It's more about the Super Bowl than the yards, Ron. Until he wins the Super Bowl, it's always going to be a mute point. Right now, you got guys who put up great numbers, made it to the Super Bowl, still aren't in. Phil Sims, Boomer Esiason, et cetera. So mm-hmm. there's a ton, I mean a laundry list of great quarterbacks who don't even get a sniff because it's so competitive unless you got a Super Bowl on your resume. And every era is a little different. You got to keep that in mind. And I think what's going to make it so tough for Kirk Cousins is every generation, these guys are judged by the company around you and your fellow Mm -hmm. peers. And when your company over this area is guys like Mahomes, Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, you can go on and on. And you think to yourself, I can't imagine guys like that not being in the Hall of Fame. And no one's going to argue. I mean, Cousins isn't on that type of level with those names that I just mentioned. Not yet, anyways. Not without a Super Bowl. So I think until he wins the big one, the voters aren't going to take him seriously. Not when lined up against other big names from this era and this generation. But if all of a sudden he starts reeling off some deep playoff runs and maybe makes it to the Super Bowl once or twice, then that's all it takes for people to take him seriously again. And a lot of that, unfortunately, for the quarterback kind of depends on what team you're on. Who's your supporting cast? Look at Matthew Stafford. All those years in Detroit, all those bad teams, everyone said, yeah, he's really good, but he's not elite. And then all of a sudden he wins the Super Bowl two years ago. Now all of a sudden everyone says he's a Hall of Famer. That's how quickly the conversation changes when you get a ring in this league. So, unfortunately, I think a lot of it depends on, you know, Kirk and his weapons. I think for the foreseeable future, no reason he wouldn't want to stay in Minnesota. He's going to keep putting up great stats with J.J. Hawkinson and now, obviously, Jordan Addison. But is the defense and the supporting cast good enough to help him win a Super Bowl? I I just don't know. But if he can win one before he hangs it up, the numbers, like you mentioned, the numbers – are going to be there by the time he retires to have a serious conversation about it. Easier said than done, though, to win a Super Bowl. I mean, some of the best quarterbacks ever play the game never won a Super Bowl. Hmm. Yeah, let's see what let's see what happens. Yeah, let's see what happens with Matt Ryan. I mean, the clock is going to start on Matt Ryan's eligibility before Kirk Cousins, right? Because Ryan is 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 probably done now. We think Ryan's done. Sixty thousand yards, no Super Bowl, almost twenty eight three. He had it. He had it in his clutches, and <laughs> I, I'm not sure that I look at Matt Ryan and I automatically think Super or a Hall of Fame quarterback, even though he's a 60,000 yard guy. I, I just know that, as Luke pointed out, there's it's going to be a crowded landscape. You're going to have the obvious ones. You're going to have Rodgers, Brady, Breeze, and I think Russell Wilson is a shoe in. Um, but if you don't win a quarter, if you don't win a Super Bowl. You have to be a generationally good passer like Dan Marino or Fran Tarkenton, probably the two most notable non-Super Bowl winning Hall of Fame quarterbacks. 
um, Kirk Cousins is going to need to make that run. I mean, I, I don't think you can look at a resume that never advances to an NFC championship game and uh, and consider that a Hall of Fame resume, even though the stats are going to be magnificent. Now, if he if he keeps playing till he's 40 or maybe even beyond and the stats just get so massive that you can't ignore them. Maybe he works his way into that conversation, but I think he's got to have a, a lot of longevity. He's probably got to play six, seven more years um, to have a chance if he doesn't win a Super Bowl. That would be like Philip Rivers kind of thing. Inflated stats, mm-hmm. uh, six all-time in passing touchdowns and yardage, but never won the Super Bowl. A lot of people are on the fence. Some people said, yeah, for sure he yeah. should be in. Some people said, no. It's too tough of a list to get in. And look at Eli Manning. Like I, I think yeah. people assume that Manning has an inside track to be a Hall of Famer, even though his stats were not even close to a lot of these guys. He was a yeah. 500 quarterback, but he put together two runs and won two Super Bowls, and he's got a good last name. Yeah. <laughs> Not the last name. What you got, Reggie? Yeah, I, I agree with that, Sam. I, I just don't know that Cousins has that. I don't know. I think wins speak for a lot. And I don't know that you look at Kirk Cousins and you say, oh, yeah, that guy is just a winner. You know, last season was good for the resume. But I look at a guy like Joe Flacco. Do you guys think Joe Flacco is a is a Hall of Fame quarterback? No, I don't. Absolutely no. not. No. Well, if you look at Joe Flacco's numbers up until this point, 61%, nearly 62% completion percentage. He's thrown 232 touchdowns, 147 interceptions. He's thrown 42,000 yards plus in his career, and he's mm. got a Super Bowl. And that run to the Super Bowl that year was Defense. pretty magical. Yeah. Defense. Okay, well, I mean, that's fine, you know, but (laughs) Flacco played out of his mind, earned some money, earned a lot of money for himself and and everything during that time. Look, look, you look, I'm just saying Chris McAllister. He's got the he's got the Chris McAllister. That's the first go around. I think he's got a great record and his playoff. His playoff resume is excellent. He's boring, though. He's yeah, weird. well, some might say Kirk is boring. Kirk took his shirt off and and, and showed the world his body. He is well, getting he's getting that was kind of, after the game. His neck, he's gonna be butt naked next with a pineapple. <laughs> he's gonna jaw and George Kittle. Kirk Cousins gets butt naked with a pine cone. Pine, pine cone. cone. Wow, give him some respect, Luke. At least a watermelon or pineapple. Pine cone. <laughs> watermelon. What's try to say yeah. about him? <laughs> Come on, Luke. over here. All right. Yeah, I just I just don't I just don't know that even a, a Super Bowl would would kind of validate that that Hall of Fame type status. I just don't know that over the life of his career, like the numbers have been fine. The numbers, you know, he's he's passed for a good amount of yards every season. You know, touchdown to interception ratio has been solid. But when I think of a Hall of Famer, I think of a guy that you say, you know what, this dude was the dude in the league for years and years and years. And, you know, when you make the comparison with Phillip Rivers, Phillip Rivers was putting up numbers. They were getting, you know, upset in the postseason. But, like, he was winning a lot of games, especially in that regular season with mm-hmm. the Chargers. True. And, you know, it just didn't work out for him. You kind of say the same thing with Dan Marino. He's winning a lot of games. Didn't work out in the postseason much. But the numbers are there. I don't know about, about Kirk and you saying, like, oh, He's just a winner. Like, the guy just wins. I think he's been a very, very competent, above-average quarterback 
his entire career and is he's done well for his pockets for himself. But I don't know that it really moves the needle as far as the hall. Mm. Well, I mean, the Kirk Cousins debate will go on. We might three years from now have to circle back around to this very conversation. And when Kirk Cousins at 50,000 yards in the Super Bowl win, we'll be saying put Kirk in. Put Kirk in. In the Hall of Fame, that is. Uh, I, I, I will agree. Like, if he just has a mediocre, not mediocre, this is a great career, to be honest. I mean, a lot of money made. Uh, if he has a mediocre 50 for 50, you know, 50% winning percentage, uh, you know, 45 to 48,000 yards, yeah, I don't think he gets in because he doesn't have the flash. If he had the flash or the Super Bowls, he would get in. But, I mean, this conversation is going to come up for a lot of guys. I mean, Clint Portis was on our show with me and Sam, and he talked about, you know, barely missing the 10,000-yard mark. Is he a Hall of Famer? Uh, that That's going to come up for a lot of guys. And, and Kirk Cousins, in my opinion, uh, it's up to grown men to vote on this and some women, some grown men and women to vote on this. I don't think Kirk Cousins ever gets in, to be honest, because people just don't like him. <laughs> people don't like Kirk Cousins. I don't know what it is. They don't trust him as a winner. Uh, they don't like him. So I don't think Kirk Cousins ever gets in. But I think Kirk Cousins, in my opinion, with that amount of uh, yards and Super Bowls, would be considered a Super Bowl – or, sorry, a Hall of Famer. That's in my book. I don't know. But I do think Justin Jefferson clearly is already – you know, he's on the trajectory. And maybe our next conversation next week is Adam Thielen, the Hall of Famer. We've got to have that. We got to have that conversation yeah. too. Like, where does Adam Thielen fall in our hearts in the Hall of Fame conversation? Because I mean, all of them stats and numbers. You know, DeAndre Hopkins. We know Larry Fitzgerald's in for sure. Like, there's we're gonna have to have these conversations because it's getting very interesting as they try to change what the Hall is. Because they're like, well, if so and so's in, he has less yards. But look at his era. Look at the era. Is the passing era gonna hurt a lot of these new quarterbacks and new receivers? It might, but. I'm Ron Johnson, that's Sam Mexham, that's Luke Emman, that's Reggie Wilson. This is Locked On Sports Minnesota. This is the Friday Roundtable. We want to thank those that continue to like, share, download, comment, interact with us on social media. Uh, remember, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartMedia app. Wherever you get your podcast, you can just download and follow along with our show. Also, subscribe on YouTube. Just have an email address. Hit that subscribe button. But I want to thank you guys, and have a great weekend. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.